Welcome to the special episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. In this special episode, we wanted to celebrate International Women's Day, and to do this, I was joined by Emily Murray, AIH, Dorothea Jones, MIH, and Edward Bracken, FIH. A huge thank you to all three of them for bringing some excellent points to the conversation. So to find out where we come from, where we're at, and where we still have to go around the women in our workforce, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to this special episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast, hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Special because this will be aired on International Women's Day. So we thought it was a good topic for discussion to see where we've come from, where we are now, and what we still have to do. To help me to do this, I'm once again joined by three more awesome humans from within the IOH membership, who are all very kindly giving up their time for this chat today. So we'll move into the fellowship, first of all, and welcome to Edward Bracken. Hello, Edward. Hi, Phil. I'm delighted to be with you today. It's a pleasure to be involved in such a, a fantastic um, discussion point. Maybe a little bit about myself. I currently run the Radisson and Radisson Red at Heathrow Airport. It's uh, 900 rooms with large meeting facilities, but I've had the pleasure of working for Marriott as a general manager, intercontinental hotels, and I've run... Uh, lifestyle boutique hotels to go on the Pelham. So an interesting background. And this is a, a subject very close to my heart. Fantastic. I, I was going to say then that you've been around a bit. Well, yeah, we can put it like that. Absolutely. I hope in a, in a, in a good, positive way. And uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to be in London for, for a number of years. Obviously, I, with the accent, uh, clearly not born and bred, but uh, very much anglified in my approach to life. Yeah, we can high five on that. I'm exactly the same. But <laughs> there we are. Yeah, and and how is business generally? So a question that's uh, on everybody's lips at the moment. How how are we actually doing as an industry? Well, I think that um, we've got some big challenges around recruitment. I chair the West London Hotels Association, so I have an insight into sort of central London and West London, and it's fairly similar across the board in terms of people. It's such an important element of what we're trying to recruit, retain. And I think in terms of business, that confidence in the marketplace, we're seeing elements that are somewhat um, challenging. It's challenging. I'm hoping that come the coronation and and thereafter, we'll get a bit more strength into it. But uh, we've definitely got to keep an eye on the prize at the moment. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. I think it's just being respectful, isn't it, to the the job at hand really and uh, not getting too carried away if you have a good good period but don't get too disheartened if you're having a bad period yeah i'd agree with you there and i think you know, we're all working in, in 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 environments that are quite fragile and quite challenging and um it's quite nice to actually to be able to get on a call like this to discuss some of the the challenges that we're all encountering you know, you know irrespective of the uh, the background that you've got within your industry or or or, or other industries yeah, absolutely. Superb. And then, well, th- thanks for, for joining us, Edward. And then next up uh, within the MIH ranks, we have the IOH's very own Dorothea Jones. Hello, Dorothea. Hello. Hello, everybody. And once again, I'm going to sort of echo thank you um, for inviting me. Um, and I'll tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm, new Please in- do. <laughs> I'm new in post. I've been in post for a month, actually. And I am the Institute of Hospitality's very own equity, diversity and inclusion lead. 
So as I said, I'm really new, uh, but I have been involved in diversity and inclusion for a number of years. So um, that's something that I'm, I'm sure everyone wants to know. So I think it's an exciting post um, with many possibilities. I'll just give you a bit of background. Um, I have a master's degree in women and equality studies, um, and I used to co-direct a long-standing anti-racist charity um, for six years. So my previous work was customer-facing, just in a really different way. So yeah, I'm learning all about hospitality at the moment. Wow, that's that. What a, a really, really interesting background you have. That, that that's. And I suppose this is the first time that the IOH has had a role like this as well. Is that right? Absolutely. I am. I'm the first ever. So it's it's exciting. No pressure then. Yeah. <laughs> a bit daunting, but yeah, it's 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 just amazing. It's been a while. I have to be honest. It really has. But I'm yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, brilliant. Well, you're very very welcome. And um, yeah, given your background as well, I think what. It'll be very interesting to hear what you have to say on on today's topic. So thank you very much for joining us. And then finally, from within our associate members, we have Emily Murray, who is the HR coordinator at The Newt in Somerset. Hello. Hi, Emily. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, very nice to be here. You're very welcome. Uh, Tell people about The Newt. I I know all about The Newt. I love (laughs) The Newt. But anyway. It's always a difficult thing to sum up um, on on a podcast. So The Newt is a luxury country estate um, based sort of in the the south of Somerset. We have incredible gardens here. So we have a membership garden. We grow a lot of our own produce here. We have our own butchery, bakery, and we make our own cider as well. Um, and then we have two incredible luxury hotels here as well. So we have around 40 bedrooms in total, um, a couple of restaurants in the hotels and obviously a spa as well. And lots of lots of different activities for our guests and our members to enjoy. Oh, fabulous. We'll, we'll all be round very shortly. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, Look so forward amazing. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you very much for for joining us to to chat about this as well. Uh, Before we get on to the topic, uh, we do like to ask everybody why they said I'm into the Institute of Hospitality. So I'll come back and ask you that question, Edward. Why are you in with the Institute of Hospitality? Well, I think um, it's really important to have an association, an organisation that you can work with like-minded people, work collaboratively. I think um, the challenges that we're facing, it's good to hear what is on other people's agendas because sometimes you can feel a little bit like you're in a silo and having um, a sounding board, I think, is really important. I think the work that the Institute does in terms of its development and, you know, it's interesting, we've got Dorothea on today. Um, our industry is going through huge changes and I think it's really important that we're, we're staying robust and dynamic and moving ourselves in the right direction. And I feel very strongly that uh, we need to have a strong voice, professional voice and have that clarity. So for me, this is what it's all about. Absolutely. And, and same question to you, Dorothy. I mean, I suppose you didn't really have a choice. <laughs> I was interviewed and I got the role. So that's, I mean, that's, that's not yeah, the only one. <laughs> Do you know, I think, I mean, I have to talk about the hospitality industry as well. I think slightly 
in an objective way because I've not really been involved. But I think what I would say is that was one of the reasons I got involved, not only because it was a new role and it was pioneering, but also because the Institute... I mean, the hospitality industry has always interested me. I mean, the ability to give pleasure to others and, you know, restaurants, hotels are what I think of when it's a wedding, celebration of birth, you know, anything it may be um, within life, you go to hospitality. And I think as um, Edward was saying, it's, you know, it's gone through a dreadful process, um, you know, sort of since COVID and, you know, I don't say the B word, but since, since Brexit. And I think it's, it's really important um, that we come together as an industry. And I think um, the Institute are also in a very interesting position as we have longevity, been going for 85 years and still going strong and evolving as we go along. I'm proof of that. Um, we are our members as well. So it's good to hear amazing feedback. We serve, we offer education, support industry, and the thing is, we do this globally. The reach with the institutes immense, no doubt. And I think that's the—I th- think a lot of the the time people forget that this is a—it's a global focus. It's yeah. not, you know. I think a, a lot of the members do obviously come from within uh, the UK and Ireland. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, representing a global industry, which hospitality is, is no mean feat. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. Um, well, great. Thank you very much for that. And then finally, over to you, Emily. Why did you say I'm in to the IOH. So I initially joined um, back in university. So I studied um, international hospitality management at Bournemouth University. So I joined because I thought it was a brilliant way to stay connected with the industry whilst I was studying it and to sort of take advantage of all the amazing networking opportunities, the webinars, the events such as Passion for Hospitality. I attended a couple of times and I'm still in it today because I think it's a great way to stay in touch with the industry even as even as I've moved from um, more of the operations side over to, to the HR side so I was on the the board for the the West of England Institute of Hospitality Committee and that was brilliant to be involved and get lots of people enthused about the hospitality industry. Brilliant. Yes, well, um, the uh, excellent to see as well. You've so you've come from operations and now have moved into HR, which uh, I think having a, an understanding of the the operational side of the business is massively important. Yeah, it's yeah absolutely crucial. I think. I mean, almost everyone in our HR team does have that operational experience, and it just means that you can really understand the operation side of the business and realize what what works and and what doesn't. Excellent. Well, you're all very, very welcome. And thank you once again for for joining us. And I think it's time to get stuck into today's topic, which is all about a celebration of International Women's Day. And I'm going to open up with a very open question, which anyone is welcome to uh, jump into, which is really just how are we doing at making the world of business a more inclusive place to be regardless of gender? Uh, and especially when considering uh, the female of the species, who would like to jump in? Um, I'm happy to to talk about that one and, and yeah, my experiences. Um, so, you know, just from my personal perspective, you know, I've been working in, in hospitality since I was about 16 or so. And although, you know, I definitely still think that when you look around and consider who sort of some of the big names in hospitality are, 
a lot of them do seem to be male that stick out to me straight away such as I mean just off the top of my head I think of Danny Pecorelli um who sort of heads up the exclusive group um Harry Murray as well um and obviously Robert Richardson as well but I've never you know sort of felt that that has stopped me there's still been so many amazing female leaders in the industry that I've worked with and got the pleasure to um, learn from so I think all in all the perception I get from the hospitality industry is that it is such an inclusive place and there are so many opportunities regardless of your gender for you to succeed and not once in my career have I felt like um, I haven't been able to achieve something because of my gender that's that's really great to hear really great to hear Dorothea, I think you were going to say something there. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, that, I mean, it's good. To, that is good to hear. I think it's still a man's world. So if we're looking at sort of society as a whole and the hospitality industry is a microcosm of society, it's, it's a reflection. I, I think, um, this is only my opinion, um, that there is, there is still a sort of gender imbalance. But as Emily said, things are changing. I am a glass half full woman, and I think things are slowly getting better. I, you know, I'm probably older than Emily as well, so I've had, I've experienced sexism um, going, but not in the hospitality industry because I've only been here a month, so I can't really talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, so, if you had to experience that in that one month, uh, I think uh, I, we'd I, have I, to be having a word with Robert for sure. I haven't, I haven't experienced sexism um, in the space of a month, so I think it is it's slowly getting better. And I think women, uh, we are putting ourselves forward uh, for leadership roles as well. So that's quite important that we we have that within us um, to say that we can do this. And and as Emily said, the, pe- the industry is people oriented. So women do lead in marketing and HR, uh, such as Emily. And so we're, we're breaking this glass ceiling in some aspects. And I think it's really important to grab and seize opportunities and not wait for them to be um, handed to us. If, if I may, yeah. if I may um, get in here, I, I think, um, and again, haven't been um, in, in the industry for a number of years, um, I've seen some really positive changes. But I go back to when I was training, I trained at the Shannon College of Hotel Management. And in the year that year, I was fortunate enough to have, I think it was 37 in our class. And it was a pretty equal split of men and women. And for me, it's always about being having that right balance. And, you know, I think it's a bit like when you make a cocktail, you know, if you over index on, 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 a, on a, you know, one of the elements of it, it ruins the, the, the taste. And for me, I think I've always looked at the business that I've operated through the lens of, well, what does the job entail? And not necessarily about the sexism of whether it's a man or a woman. Now, having come out of, I worked in in the boutique world where I had to paddle my own canoe. I wasn't part of a large brand and I was very mindful of the qualities that the female could bring in terms of attention to detail and multi-skilling. And I think having come from a family where my mother was a very strong lady and still is, thankfully, um, very capable. I always remember her sitting. I'm one of three boys and sitting down at the dinner table and given my dad and the three of us a lecture about how we should respect women and that women were of, uh, you know, an equal uh, cut of the jib. 
as ourselves. Yeah. And this was back when I was probably only uh, 12 or 13. And it's always stuck with me. And I think being a dad and having three daughters myself and being a custodian of having worked for Marriott Intercontinental um, and the, the job I'm in at the moment, I did an, a, a, an analysis of well, where am I at at the moment, male, female split. And I've got 48 of my employees, 48% uh, are female and 52 are male. But within that, my um, F&B manager is a female running a business of over five million pounds last year and um some of the senior people within my rooms department in front office and within the housekeeping piece so for me i think it's about looking at that 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 that, that dynamic of being open-minded and flexible and i think having been brought into the industry through my training with some very strong women i have to add and some of them i'm sure will listen to this and probably laugh at that but it was true <laughs> you know and i think that's where this balance comes isn't it and 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 i think for me it's really important to have that right now not everybody's going to think like me and i'm mindful of that and i think having been in the industry for the guts of three decades i have seen different people approach different ways and i think depending on your upbringing, it does d dictate maybe how you behave. So all of it hasn't necessarily been positive, but I'd like to think it's it's getting more positive. Yeah, sure thing. And uh, I mean, I think that's a key thing. I think your upbringing does inform a lot, right? And, and not just with, around this topic, but your general values. And if you're taught the values around respect, then you're, you're generally are not seeing gender when it comes to that you're just being respectful of whoever it is that's in front of you but regrettably we've i think historically we, we've also had a, a i suppose a, a, a situation in the past where that's clearly not worked because there has been an imbalance and i've actually i've got some st statistics i actually did some research oh wow um Ooh. robert if you're listening um <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, it does happen from time mm. to time um I, um, this is a big shout out to uh, the the awesome ladies over at Cam Media who do this kind of thing for a living. They, they're great at doing research. And they did a, a, a study basically looking into lots of different things around the differences between how uh, males and females feel in the workplace, but specifically within hospitality. So a couple of things here, just some stats just to kind of, uh, I suppose, show you where we are at at the moment. Um, the first one was really around, do do they feel fairly paid? And actually, the split here was uh, was actually only 15% of females in this study said that they did, uh, but it was actually only 25% of males felt the same. So I think that's more a reflection of perhaps where we need to go yet as an industry from, from a pay perspective, uh, but that's a subject for a different day. Opportunities are strong. That was the general feeling. 60% 60, 60 of Females felt that the hospitality industry provides great career progression opportunities versus 66% of males, so there's not a big difference there. The hospitality industry provides great training and development. Actually, 70% of females felt that was good versus 61% of males, so a good message there. And then we move into the feeling of uh, safety, basically, and this is where it gets a little bit, uh, the, the numbers are not so great. So. Some hospitality experiences need to be addressed. 32% of uh, females said that they had they felt they'd been treated negatively because of their gender. 
uh, versus only 17% of males. So that's obviously something to bear in mind. Uh, and then perhaps more alarmingly, 21% had experienced some form of sexual harassment versus only 2% of males. So we're making progress. I think there's no question. We've still got some work to do. And I think that, that this is the thing from a from a man's perspective. I'm often thinking about how can I be involved without sounding condescending, without sounding patronizing and, you know, checking my own privilege when it comes to a, a discussion of this type. But I think I heard somebody use the word ally recently. And actually, I think it's a really great way of summarizing what our position could be uh, in terms of how we help continue to make improvements is that, we're, you know, you can't alienate us from the argument that won't help. But we're here to help, mm. especially people like Edward, who's you know clearly got this solid grounding of values within, and people like myself who are, are exactly the same. But anyway, that's enough from me. Just thought I'd drop in some bombs of <laughs> uh, some stats. Uh, but what are your thoughts on some of the stats that you've just heard? Again, open question. Anybody can can jump in. Um, yeah, I'll jump in if that's that's okay. It's it's mm. it's quite interesting. Um, that the stats when it comes to safety, all of a sudden that there's that imbalance and that's not really a surprise, I don't think. And it will be, I think another thing that could be looked at, and I don't know how this would work, would be something like job security. Um, if women become pregnant, um, yeah. you know, what happens then? And also, I think this is this goes across society. I think it's when a woman um, has a child, um, but, and that child reaches um, age 12, there's a 33%, she earns 33% less for the same role than men. And also when women reach pensionable age, it's £100,000 less in the pot um, than for men. So there are there are things that are in, within the industry and that are actually societal as well that need to be um, addressed. But it's really good to hear um, that women are feeling as though they can be supported within the hospitality industry. And I think it, what, an, another thing that's really good is what you said is men being allies. We, we can't do this. We can't challenge sexism because it's so deeply embedded without allyship. We just can't do it. And I think another thing to look at as well, because I'm speaking as a woman of colour, I'm of um, Nigerian and European descent. You've got that intersection as well to address when we're looking at um, sexism too. So it's... Yeah. It's quite complex when we're looking at sexism and, and, and how we address that. Could I ask you, just from a point of view of, you know, you make the reference to when women with children at the age of 12, I, and maybe just step back for a second, I think the whole piece around, let, let's be honest here, is that we can't end up having um, men versus women. We need, as you say, to work collaboratively. And let's be also very frank about it. The world won't operate if women don't. Uh, go through the process or, uh, of having and bearing children and that, that's a gift we're very fortunate that's a huge gift and that's a gift that we've got to be respectful of to think about well how do we manage that and how does it affect there's no two ways about it that um, you know uh, maternity uh, cover and the benefits that go with it are really important um, it's also it's a fact of life it's there it's going to happen and we need to be thinking our, to ourselves how do we work with that and, you know, my own experience is that when I was in um, uh, running a hotel in Kensington, I had a fantastic lady there 
who obviously had, had children and I recognised that there's no two ways about it. It did put additional challenges on us. And I think we've got to think about how do we how do we work around that? Because you can't penalise a, a lady because she's going to have a child, you know, because, you know, I've got I've, I've got five kids. Well, how are that going? How is it going to happen? How are we going to find this common thread? And, you know, I think it's so important that one of the things that we're seeing for me is that out of COVID, we've got to be more agile and dynamic. The workforce is changing. And one of the things this morning before I came here, I might have a morning meeting. And I asked at the meeting, you know, represents from the hotel. And actually the meeting this morning, there was uh, there was 10 people at the table and eight of them were ladies. I was asking them, you know, what's what's your take on things? And when, when a lady called Claire, she's got a number of, she's got two children and she was just talking about the challenges of balancing, having their, her, her family, trying to balance work. And, you know, we're trying to make it, the statement I'm making now is that uh, we need to be flexible. We need to work around people's hours with children being dropped off, picked up. We, we have the added challenges around sickness um, and how that impacts and and I can speak firsthand because I've experienced that. So for me, we've got to be got to be far more flexible than ever before. But I'd be interested to understand. I mean, Dorothy, what 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 would be your thoughts on what could we do to facilitate the process? How do we make it a bit more, um, you know, so it, that so that if you go off from your maternity cover and you come back, you don't feel that you've been disenfranchised by it. I think it is. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because we have to look at women go off on maternity leave. You want to have that peace. You want to enjoy, enjoy your child. Um, and also, you know, men are involved in this process as well, I think is, you know, if we're looking at the cost of, of childcare, which is, is not down to the hospitality industry, I know, yeah. it should be heavily subsidised because, you know, that impacts a lot of women coming out of the industry because they can't afford the childcare. So that's that's one thing. And I think, um, like you say, flexibility of hours and, you know, uh, women working around children. And, and I think because there's such, um, the hospitality industry needs more staff, it's really important to look at that. Where, where are those gaps and, and how, can, how can we fill them? But I think it is, yeah, it's important to look because I think, there are um, organisations that have sprung up. You've got um, pregnant men screwed because a woman was sacked by voicemail, and that was in 2015. So we have to look and think what what's happening here and how can we as an industry um, support women um, that have had children and want to come back to work? Um, could, I, yeah. could I ask a question, Phil? Sorry, I was going to say to Emily, coming from your perspective of, of you know, your you're you're of a different generation and i mean this I'm, i don't mean this in a negative way and i mean really positively what would your take be on this because at some point maybe you your friends um will, will will want to you know have families and what what are your thoughts on this what what's your perception of what that might look like can i just say you're a very good host edward <laughs> well, well yeah. you know i this is this is, this is I, I i had my wife this morning talking to me about this so I we've I've, I feel like I've already had quite an in-depth conversation um, around it. So thank you for that. But I I really am fascinated to find and maybe we could get get a couple of nuggets out of of this chat yeah, today. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's a great question. Sorry, I, I was just being, I was trying to be <laughs> oh, humorous. But hey, anyway. listen, no, I'm not trying to take your job. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, 
Yeah, again, for me, I think, you know, sort of echoing what, what people have said is it obviously an issue like this goes beyond the hospitality industry into, you know, much big, much bigger of a, a societal problem. But yeah, you know, you're sort of completely right thinking, you know, we do need to look at um, creative ways to get people who have been on maternity or paternity to come back into the industry. You know, they still have so much uh, excellence that they can bring into the industry to be able to, to and they need to work around their, their different hours and everything now. So absolutely, flexible working is one thing that's already been mentioned and you know, looking at childcare vouchers and things like that as well. Um, but I do think there are probably other more creative solutions out there. You know, when you look outside the hospitality industry into, you know, marketing or something like that, who, who do tend to sometimes have a bit more of a disposable income than um, hospitality providers. But some of them even run things such as uh, crashes or they partner with a local creche or something and so that they can offer subsidised childcare to their employees as well. And so I think it's not just thinking about how can we get them to work around our hours and their hours. I think, you know, there could be more creative solutions out there. Yeah, I I think the key thing there is we we all collectively understand the the barrier is there. Mm. It does exist, and and mm. there are there are some things that we have yet to figure out fully. But the key thing is is that we know what the barrier is, you know. And I think actually the point you raised, Dorothea, around actually the wider societal issue of the cost of childcare is a it's a massive thing. I think without question, you the talk of some people effectively childcare is basically like taking on another mortgage right so you know that is if that's how much it costs you know if you if you want to go back into full-time work then that's the kind of the the sort of price that you're that you have to to pay and so a lot of people make the choice well it's not worth me going back to work so that's a barrier that needs to be removed somehow I don't know the answer doesn't exist in this podcast that's that's beyond our realm But actually, the the answer from a hospitality perspective is, as Emily says, is we've just got to come together and think creatively. And what can we do? What you know? What are our limitations? And what can we do within those limitations? Uh, and actually, the point you make there around company companies looking at what can be done, perhaps in terms of bringing in their own crash function or a partnership with somebody locally i think it's a it's a a great initial idea it's up to individual businesses to go and explore these things themselves i guess i I think that's a a a very apt piece there in terms of what you know making that work and i think one of the things i just we've got to find this balance around at the end of the day we're being tasked to run businesses to make profitability and and we're talking about creating positive cultures and we're trying to, we're, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a minefield for, from what I've seen, you know, trying to recruit people at the moment. And we've got to give ourselves some strength in terms of, well, why would somebody want to come and work with us? And um, what are they going to get from us? And I mean, it's this morning I, I had a coffee and there's a lovely lady downstairs and we were just talking and I asked her, how are our kids, two children? And one of them's not well this morning. Now she's got her mom helping her out. And, you know, I'm very mindful of to try and understand the dynamic of what's going on within people's worlds. And I would say that since COVID has been, been thrust upon us, 
one of the elements I'm finding is that we've got to be, not that we weren't before, but definitely now we need to understand what's going on in people's worlds and that we do have to give them some, you know, some airtime to be able to explain so that we can help them be, you know, really successful. And I suppose one of the questions I, I'm, I'm keen to understand is around, you know, they talk about, uh, you've given us some information around um, leadership and that uh, females are meant to be better leaders than men, Phil. Um, that's an interesting one that you shared with us pre the call. And, yeah. and I mean, I'd be interested to understand what the, what the ladies think on the on the call because it is it is a, it is an interesting fact because you know, um, with a bit of tongue in cheek, the, the girls and ladies I work with, and sometimes my wife says it to me, you know, you guys, you're not great at multi skilling, you know, and I and I at times I'm not, and I'll be able to put my hand up to it, and there's other times I'm very focused on 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 elements that I can I can really de- deliver quickly, but I try and surround myself with people that can pick up the the skill sets that maybe I don't have, but what do you, what do you know, Dorothy and, and Emily think about from a leadership point of view? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, he's at it again. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Um, I think. I mean, you're doing. Honestly, some- tell us honestly. <laughs> honestly <laughs> you're doing something. You're doing something well there, Edward. Because if you don't understand something, you're surrounding yourself with people that do that is a sign of a good leader for me as well. Uh, Genius, yeah, like that. Yeah, I think as well, um, a good leader should possess honesty, intelligence, compassion, um, Mm. and innovation as well. Um, But I think if we're going to compare those traits, I'm going to try not to genderise here because I don't want to do that. If you were, you know, most people would say that women scored higher. I think there are stats for that out there somewhere in these categories. So... We can infer that the general public views women as more as all of those things: compassionate, innovative, honest. Um, so, but the interesting thing is, if you were to ask women, they're more likely to. But we are more likely to rank ourselves lower. Um, mm. I think another thing as well: what women do well that leads that I've seen. We're transformational leaders. We seek to develop others. I'm really trying not to, you know, just yeah. say that this is a, you know one size fits all. And I think most importantly, we listen because if we're in, in the presence of men, we speak less. So we listen more. So and, and these are generally seen as women traits. But I think I've seen some amazing male leaders, too. So I think it's down to humility as well, compassion and definitely communication. That's really important. So, yeah, that's that's my view on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Emily, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's it's a similar echo, but sort of, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in the fact that um, inherently your your gender doesn't make you a better or a worse leader. It's absolutely all to do with, uh, you know, societal upbringing and things like that, and you know the way you're socialized as a child and what role figures and everything you have in your life. So I I do think, you know, when I think back to, you know. The 20th century um you know when I think of a, a powerful manager I definitely think you know it's the stereotypical male who's sort of barking orders and everything but when I think of a leader nowadays you know lots of people come to mind um both male, male and female and it's all to do with the traits that they have um they've possessed and they've learned and they've you know grown into um to become an excellent 
leader and yeah I think looking forward um, I think all genders have this amazing ability to become excellent leaders because there's so much out there now talking about how to be an excellent leader and what is a leader versus a manager so I think it's looking Mm. very positive for the future. Yeah, I think you make a, a really, really good point as well is that, you know, maybe in some instances we're getting too bogged down on genderizing uh, as opposed to actually what we should be doing is look at the looking at the skill set of the individual. And, you know, the two worst leaders that I've had in my entire career, one was a male and one was a female. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it absolutely, it's not a distinguishable thing. And that, that was, that came about because, I'm not the sort of person that responds well to aggression mm. and that doesn't and an aggressive style of leadership you could argue is not really leadership but it you know it doesn't get the best out of me mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't identify that that was the case and so of course then you're asked to fit into a a, a position that you're that you shouldn't really be in um and that was in both instances absolutely nothing to do with gender that was just to do with their own skill set and their own belief system and their own way of doing things so it it is one of those things i think we we absolutely have to be mindful of being inclusive as much as we can be but it in my opinion it has to be it can't just be about ticking boxes it can't mm. just be about making sure that you know we are getting a 50-50 split we need to make sure that we have the right split for the right business with the right people and that doesn't matter really where they come from yeah. what their background is as long as they are the right person for that particular position absolutely yeah. uh, i think you're spot on and for me you know i'm very con- conscious of when i recruit a role i'm not thinking about whether it's a, a male or female i'm thinking about what skill set they'll bring when i meet those individuals and it's really interesting my daughters they are 14 13 and 11 and I say to them, you know, dream it, believe it, make it happen. And two of the girls recently decided they take up rugby. So they're, they're playing rugby and they're, they're really enjoying it. But it's been interesting. A couple of people said, well, why would you want to do that? Um, you know, you're just going to hurt yourself. You're going to, you know, and I was saying to them, well, you, if that's what you want to do, then you should do it. Don't let anybody dim your light. Don't let anybody pull you down, push you back. That's not what this is about. If if you want to go and do something, and it goes for whether you're a man or a woman, but you know, in the in the in the essence of what we're trying to celebrate today, and I think what's really important is, you know, for International Women's Day, I just think that we need to celebrate what you bring to the party and recognize the value that it 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 adds. And I see it on a personal level for my 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 mother, my children, my wife and with the people that I work with. And, you know, I'd say to Emily and to to Dorothea, look, you've got huge opportunities and abilities to influence in a positive way. And I think we've got to work collaboratively moving forward. I've I've got Sally Beck, who's a member of the West London Hotels. She's a great advocate, a great role model to demonstrate the ability of, of a powerful, compassionate, focused lady and we just need to see more of those people getting into those roles in my opinion yeah absolutely i i, I think the key key to that is, is is ensuring that there is no barrier for them to do so 
Yes. You know, and ensure that the if the if they get there, they get there because they're talented, mm-hmm. and they get there because they de- deserve to get there. Yes. And you know, I think the point that I suppose we we were both making around I hate to use the word kind of quotas and that sort of 50-50 split thing that I talked about earlier on. But it's maybe not a bad thing that we think about it that way though. Mm. You know, it's it you know, if you if you find yourself in a position whereby you've got 80% of your workforce is male and 20% female, then it's good that you ask your yourself the question why. Yeah. Why is why has that become you know what actually on the face it seems to be an incredible imbalance and there might be justifiable reasons for it Mm -hmm. i don't know but you know equally it's it is good that we just continue to ask ourselves these questions i think yeah um dorothea anything to add on what we just talked about i I, that was very much i suppose from a male perspective so i'm interested to get your take on that i think yeah i think women when not in certain roles um because of the way society is structured we can't get away from that and and it's really good to hear the voices of you, Phil, and and Edwards saying, you know, that you, you want to see gender disparity um, decreased. And like you say, it has to be the best person for, for the job, you know, without prejudice, without anything else. And I think I just, I mean, to wrap up, I would say I agree with all of that. Um, and it's, and you used the word allyship before, Phil. So, yeah. I think, you know, be vocal um, about allyship for women. If you see anything that you think's sexist or not right, say something. I think that, and name it um, as well. So I think it's about all of us working collaboratively to challenge anything. And like you say, celebrate women, not just not just on, um, on the 8th of March, but every single day of the year. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah, yeah that's a great way to, to summarise. Emily, anything to add? Yeah, similarly, obviously, you know, this goes far beyond the, the hospitality industry and it's definitely much more of a societal issue. But I think in our position in the hospitality industry, it's it's sort of our duty and our responsibility to, you know, stride ahead and show what an amazing place the hospitality industry can be for, for females as well as, well as males. Um, and then I think a lot of that, you know, can uh, be done with uh, schools outreach, community outreach, and sort of showcasing all of the amazing people that work within the industry. Yeah, and final words to the host, uh, Edward. Um, I listen. I think it's what we've discussed today. We could we could probably have gone on for um, a lot longer, but I think in summary, you know, I think the fact that we've got this as an agenda item and that we can recognise the importance of it is is so valuable. And I think we mustn't lose sight of it. And as long as you've highlighted it, I think as Dorothy has highlighted, as Emily's highlighted, you know, people need to be given their roles on merit. And you don't want to be filling boxes just for the sake of it. But it has to be done with a level of integrity, honesty and respect and make sense to the overall you know, goal of what you're trying to achieve. And I just think we've got to really celebrate it, not like you're saying just for the day, but we've got to live it, breathe it and make it happen. And that's going to be the challenge for us. Yeah, totally. And then I think I would just end with saying that, you know, ultimately we're, you come into hospitality because I think deep down you're, a, for want of a, a more obvious word, a hospitalitarian. Mm. And, you know, what that really means to, to me is that you're here to ensure that the people that come into your realm, however small or large that is, is that you make them feel as 
special and as big and as elevated as they can be. And that doesn't matter what gender they are, what race they are, whatever they are. It, you know, you anyone that comes into contact with you should should leave your space as being better and having not been having any opportunities taken away from them. Uh, and I would just add that into into how we celebrate this going forward is that you'll know, just think about that when when it comes to analysing your own business and what you're doing well or not uh, at this time. Thank you so much, guys. As Edward says, we could talk about this until the cows come home, probably, and uh, wish you all a, a very pleasant International Women's Day and beyond. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Today's special covered International Women's Day with Emily Murray, AIH, Dorothea Jones, MIH, Edward Bracken, FIH, and hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. A huge shout out to the IOH's very own Sonia Cresswell, MIH, for the artwork and branding, and Leon Williams, FIH, for the music. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street.instituteofhospitality.org, and to find out more about the IOH or to join the hospitality family, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us next time where we'll be launching our new Importance Of series, kicking things off with the importance of the front office manager.